Hey, 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 welcome to my very first podcast. My name is Cece. This is I on Sterile Processing. And let's jump right into it. Who am I? Well, my name is Solyndra. Everybody call me Cece. I'm from Los Angeles. I started in 2012 at Long Beach Memorial Hospital in Long Beach, California. Um, it was a program that was funded for sterile processing. It lasts about four months. We did our externship, our 400 hours, and then about a week after that, I sat for my ISHM exam and I passed it. And my first job was at UCLA Medical Center in Santa Monica. I worked there for a couple of years before I moved to Colorado. And then that's when I did my self-study on my own for my CIS and my CHL. And then that's also where I became a lead tech for the sterile processing department. And then after that, I decided mm, I always wanted to travel as a tech, but I wasn't sure exactly how it worked. So when I moved to Georgia, I didn't have a job and I gave it a chance. I was like, let me just check this out and see how this works. And I started traveling. It'd be, it'd be it's like two and a half years now, actually, since I started traveling. And um, right now I'm putting together some material for the CER certification through Isham that I can share, which I have been sharing because I have it on a website, which is ionspd.com, where I have just videos and some flashcards that are linked to um, Quizlet. That's there. And I'm also going to use the same material that I'm putting together for me to sit and take my exam soon. So I put I put together like a um, PowerPoint presentation, all kind of stuff. All this is new to me, but I just felt like it was necessary because a lot of times it's kind of scary to just get books and then try to understand all the material. And that's what I went through with my CHL, especially because that was a little bit more difficult to me than the CIS. And a lot of things I had to break down and make it come to life with videos. I had to look up other terms and words. And, you know, if you're not familiar, especially not in the field of sterile processing, reading that first CRCST book, I don't even understand how people can grasp it without seeing it because that's what I suffer with. So anyways, I decided to put together a bunch of sterility material for the CER exam to hopefully make it easier for people to take the exam and feel a little bit more confident and so we can get more people certified and that's how I kind of look at it and that's why I did it. The reason why I started this podcast, I wanted to talk about issues that directly affect frontline sterile processing techs. Um, I wanted to give us a voice, a place for us to learn and grow, a place where we can challenge ourselves, others, and the entire system, and a place we can get to know each other from around the world. Because if you're part of any Facebook groups, you'll see that people are like chiming in from India and, you know, different places around the world outside of the United States. So that's a pretty big audience. And it's very interesting to see how people do things in other countries and even just other states. Like when I lived in California, it was some of the instruments, I would say, that were used, let's say, for instance, for ortho surgeries. I just saw that, oh, they use a lot of um, striker here, you know, and then I moved to another part of the United States. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see they using a lot of Globus or, you know, Synthes or whatever. And I'm like, okay, they use in some hospitals have it as their in-house instruments where other people would just be on a consignment type basis, you know? So it's just interesting to chime in with different people who've been different places because it could help you maybe bring something to your department that is working over in New Zealand, you know what I mean? And they haven't even heard of it in the city you're in and you can hopefully 
bring some light or shed some light on some new activities or innovative ways in which to do things. So anyways, let me start rambling on about that. If you want to hit me up, I do have an email and it's the spdpodcast at gmail.com. Now, for those of you who do not even know what sterile processing is, I decided the quick little overview and that's how we're going to pretty much wrap up this podcast. And then the next time we'll get into the the meat and bones of exactly what we do and talk about issues that affect us. So um, we're referred to as by each other as a heartbeat of the hospital because surgery begins and ends with the sterile processing department. So you'll find us in hospitals, surgery centers. Um, it may just be a little room in a dental office. They're usually pretty small and then the veterinary hospitals. And what we do is we reprocess surgical instruments and equipment, for instance, uh, stainless steel instruments like your kitchen knives and forks. I mean, that's just the most lamest way for me to break it down. They're reused and reprocessed. And then the equipment could be like IV pumps and stuff like that, that um, are wiped down and cleaned and then sent back out for the next patient to be used like when they're in their room recovering. And then let's see, um, we supply the hospitals, different departments supply the hospitals with like equipment, crunches, crutches, walkers, crash carts that you would see on different floors or what have you. Um, there's other departments in our department or a part of our department that uh, deals with replenishing and uh, distributing crash carts. So I kind of broke it down like the different areas, if that helps, but it blends and every hospital is different. So some hospitals may have one department that does it all, while other hospitals may break it down to two to three subcategories. So for me, um, sterile processing is usually where all the dirty instruments are brought down from surgery or from clinics because some hospitals are, especially like the trauma one hospitals I've been in, they um, support other departments like auxiliary departments. So labor and delivery bring their stuff down there. They may have a cancer center that bring down their pickups or their scissors or, you know, or maybe a small little tray that they get sterilized there. So we also uh, support their uh, uh instruments and what happened is it comes in through the dirty room which is our decontamination room and after it's handled there and it's safe it's sent over to the prep and pack area that's where they inspect and that's when they also test out the instruments to make sure they're okay to move forward with the process and then the final process is the sterilization of the instruments and um Sometimes there's a case card system that you may have to deal with in your department. And then some other places is the sterile instruments are just sent to another room and then they have someone else pick the cases and get those case cards ready for whatever particular case that they're having on the schedule the following day. And usually that's done 24 hours in advance in an ideal world. Also, we have like a materials management. Now, like I said earlier, they could be the ones dealing with the, uh, the crash carts, the wound vacs and the IV pumps. And then we have a, another department, sometimes it's like supply, supply chain or distribution, where they can just deal with the single use items, bandages, sutures, catheters. We also are the people that get those to the floors. But like I said, it could be you, your department could be called material management. You deal with the crash cars, you deal with the sutures, you deal with uh, replenishing the pixie machines and things like that. However, it, it could be different, but these are just an di- overview of all the things that we actually do and how we support the entire hospital, whether it's, it's surgery directly with giving them surgical instruments or it's the stuff they need as the patient recover inside of a room, if that makes any sense. Now, 
Um, how do you get started in sterile processing? Just a couple of ways. Like I said, for me, I went through a training program and you have other people that go through a training program. But honestly, since I've been out there, most of the people just come from other areas in the hospital, whether they're coming from the kitchen or they're coming from the streets, not literally on the streets, but you know what I mean? They come from something totally outside of the hospital field and they come in there and um, they just have the basic I guess knowledge and, and, and eye coordination that's necessary for them to get into the department and then they go from there. But a lot of places are changing because they want people certified because as you haven't should have noticed that it's been in the news with dirty instruments have been involved with um, infections or been in the news and surgery had to be stopped you know, because dirty instruments are making it into the OR. And of course, that's a big problem when it comes to infection. So um, some people are just studying the material on their own to get certified. And then you have some people who are going through different schools. So I did look up a couple of places, like for instance, um, in Greenville, South Carolina, their technical college there, they actually have uh, a central sterile processing tech course. And if I'm not mistaken, it's two days a week and it goes on for like three months. And it's not that expensive. It didn't seem like that was too expensive for uh, to go there at a technical college. But that's just one example of what they have out there. I know when I was in Colorado, it was the guy who went to Pima. Uh, that's more expensive. That's like one of those private schools you see like on commercials on television or what have you. That'll set you back some thousands. I know for sure. Because I know he paid thousands of dollars to go to that school. And then if you go to the Isham and the um, CBSPD website, then they also have other places that um, have training. Also, Ashworth College in different cities and states, because I know they're throughout the United States, they also have training for sterile processing department. Now, when it comes to certification, we have Isham, which is the International Association of Healthcare, Central Service, and Material Management. And um, what they have, they have a CRCST, which is the Certified Registered Central Service Tech. And that's the most basic, like, first certification you get when you start off into sterile processing and then it goes on to get to the certified healthcare leader and then the certified instrument specialist and then they also have the certified endoscopy processor directly related to us and they also did something that i didn't see in cpspd was the certified central service vendor partner these are for the vendors that come into the hospital and then the next certifying body is the cb SPD, and that's the Certification Board for Sterile Processing and Distribution. As you see in their name, they divided it up into two, Sterile Processing and Distribution. So you see how that get kind of confusing, and then you go back up to Isham, and then they just say Central Service and Material Management. So that's an example. They have five different certifications there. Uh, one of them is just for the technician, ambulatory surgery, surgical instrument, GI, scope, that's one GI scope. And then they also have a certification for management. Now that we didn't gave you an overview of a little bit about sterile processing, um, I have some action moves for you. I would like for you to email me a video or audio or anything to represent you as a tech, represent your department as someone, um, oh no, I'm sorry, or someone who's in school to become a tech or a department that are considered to be trailblazers and trendsetters and things like that. And send me audio or video or something, something I probably can play at the beginning of the podcast so everybody can hear that, hey, people out there listening, oh, wow, they're doing that over there. And make it, it could be possibly some useful information and a good way for us all to kind of make that connection with each other. Or you just can email me and let me know if you have ideas 
about the podcast or even if you want to be on the podcast because trust me sitting here doing all this talking your mouth get a little dry so anyways we're going to end this with a question of the week and our question is who regulates surgical gowns and the second question is what class medical device or surgical gowns you know you have class one two and three medical devices what class medical device or surgical gowns and we will answer those next time and we will get into the discussion of the surgical gowns because it was in recent news as of i would say about a week ago where i believe it was Healthmark. don't have me quoting the wrong stuff but they end up doing a recall on their packs and on their level three gowns and um it ended up creating a shortage in the hospitals so there was some type of breaking integrity going on with them where they had to recall their gowns. So that's pretty much of a hot topic right now. But anyways, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. You guys have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you next time.